0: Be and be well. well well. Carrie Appleton employs her 20 years of moments as a nurse within Pediatric Intensive Care Units to inform and actualize real-time team member support options. Carrie believes in the power that a menu of choices can provide to individuals during critical life moments. She currently works across one health system with individuals and teams, building out an evidence-based menu of options and coaching team members to transition self-care from a special event to many small pauses throughout a day. Carrie considers her patient care population to now be healthcare workers. Okay, so Carrie, I'm going to start this conversation by being completely honest and forthright okay. and say I am 110% biased about nurses. So. <laughs> I think nurses, most of them, many of them, are the most amazing humans that I know. Um, And Mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to be able to interview you today. Because in my career, I've had the fortune of working alongside, honestly, some of the most incredible, heroic nurses. Mm -hmm. And recently, I've had a family member in the ICU on life support fighting for their life. Thank you and honestly the family now has a different perspective on what i did once upon a time in the hospital and they're like i did not realize how a nurse can make or break An my day my loved ones day my entire experience mm-hmm. and i always think to myself well that's the fortunate and unfortunate part is sometimes you don't know what a nurse does until mm-hmm. you are in their care and in their hands yeah but i my bias believes that nurses truly bring the health into healthcare And when I thought about our conversation today, you are like the epitome of that nurse. Truthfully. You are nice. You are. You bring so much health into our profession, not only as nurses, but at healthcare in general. So I'm really excited to dig into your journey in terms of how you've transformed yourself over the years, both as mm-hmm. a person and professional, and really made a big change in the healthcare space and the nursing profession. So thank well, you for the hope, being here. Right. It's the goal. Yeah. And you're doing <laughs> it. I've I've watched. I know you're doing it. So. <laughs> If you don't mind, I'd love to start by just having you share a little bit about your journey um, in healthcare and how that's kind of gone from, you know, day one into sitting here in this tattoo room with us today.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a couple of years, so maybe I'll yeah. just give the high points um, okay. or pivotal moments. Yeah. Um, so you know, went to nursing school um, like everybody else, yeah. who's a nurse, <laughs> okay. and. Um, your summer between your junior and senior year, um, many people need to do an internship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did mine and I showed up for the first day and I had signed up to do peds oncology because that is where my heart was at. That was the population mm-hmm. I wanted to yeah. uh, to serve. And I got there and they said, sorry, you're gonna be in the peds ICU. I mm-hmm. hope that's gonna work out for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah. So I spent the whole summer um, in a 12 bed, pediatric intensive care unit, and I absolutely fell in love with it um, and never went anywhere else. In fact, I went to other hospitals, Mm -hmm. but I never tried on another unit Mm -hmm. because that in the end became Mm -hmm. the unit for me. Um, So I finished school, got my first job. My husband and I decided to get married. So Mm -hmm. we came to Minnesota. Um, We're not native, um, Mm -hmm. but we've been here now a long time. And um, you know, I found myself being able to grow in that space. Mm -hmm. About every five years, I'd get the itch to, you know, Mm -hmm. grow and change in a different way. So I'd try on a new therapy, like Mm -hmm. dialysis or Mm -hmm. ECMO or (laughs) education, you know, whatever it was. That's the great thing about nursing is, you know, you get one degree, um, but there's Mm -hmm. an unlimited supply of things you can do with that degree. Absolutely. Um, But then to be honest, um, I got to a point where life was getting hard. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't the same girl, yeah. um, that had first started, um, in my nursing career. Sure. Um, at this point now I had three daughters, mm-hmm. um, were probably about the age of one, three and five. So, mm-hmm. you know, a really relaxing time in mm-hmm. my life. <laughs>
0: right. No stress whatsoever there. Yes.
1: <laughs> I worked, uh, evenings and nights to balance the daycare situation. Yeah. Um, and didn't want to give up my career, which was great. You know, yeah. I was able to do that. Um, but I was irritable. I would cry at random times. Um, I feel like I owe a public apology to Target Cash Register employees, which maybe (laughs) we'll get back to that later on. Yeah, okay. But um, the irritability transitioned into that space, and um, I. I couldn't articulate it fully, but I realized I needed to get out. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where I should go, Mm -hmm. but I just needed to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do you do? You go back to school. Mm -hmm. I I had no idea what I wanted to do, except that I did not want to be a nurse practitioner. I knew that definitively. So um, I went to Augsburg. I had an amazing experience in their nurse leadership program. Um, and felt like I would maybe have some options. Mm -hmm. Um, After that degree completion, I went into nurse education, like Mm -hmm. many people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I started looking at it from the other side, Mm -hmm. I really started looking at my own experience and my friends and these brand new beautiful people that were coming into nursing. And I was thinking really hard about who was taking care of them, Mm -hmm. who had taken care of me. Mm-hmm. Who was taking care of my friends? Mm-hmm. And there was not a great answer to that. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge turning point um, for me personally. I was then on a path to find additional education on mm-hmm. how do I do this? I'm going to be the person mm-hmm. who takes care of these people um, because they deserve it. And they're not going to be able to stay in the game yeah. if they don't have the care
0: yeah,
1: or if they don't know how to care for themselves.
0: So true. And... Where did that take you with like that moment where you're like, okay, this just is not going to work. I can't sustain this anymore. Like where did you go with that? Cuz I I would bet to say most nurses have hit that once, if not a million times. Mm-hmm. And so what catapulted you to do something different with that moment? <sighs>
1: Probably a little bit of loyalty. I didn't want to leave Mm -hmm. everybody and everything. And I love being a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, when, I mean, that is just a fiber of my being. So hence our bias. Yeah. Once a nurse, always a nurse. And so it really, um, catapulted me towards curiosity. Yeah. Like. Who else is doing this? Mm-hmm. Who is doing it well? Who's taking care of their people? Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself in a really unlikely space or what I thought at the time was unlikely. Um, I ended up in a community fire department cool. um, education room yeah. for a weekend. Yeah. Um, and I was attending a critical incident stress management training. Okay. Um, essentially, I wanted to learn how to help people after critical yeah. events. Yeah. And of course I was there for other people yeah. Um, and yeah. about maybe not even two hours into the class, realized, whoo, <laughs> maybe I'm here for me too. <laughs> right. Like maybe. Yeah. I have a lot to unpack from all of my years. And first day, it was a three day class. First day I'm driving home and I pull over to a gas station. I called my dad mm-hmm. and he was a firefighter for years and years. And I'm telling him about this class. And you know, there's a couple nurses, a lot of firefighters, a lot of police officers, a lot yeah. of emergency service work- workers, and, um, i felt an energy i hadn't had in a long time Hmm. and that is what fueled me for years to come because it exposed me to something new something that i could see existing in a different space yeah yeah this is working well for our firefighters and our police officers that are using it right it can work well for nursing and other hospital team members Mm -hmm. if we can apply it the right way Mm -hmm. how do we do that how do we create the application
0: so what did you find like give us one little nugget in that class you were like this makes sense like this clicks with me
1: um honestly the science yeah i am you know, you can tell me all day I should do things because it's good for me, but Mm -hmm. I want to know why Mm -hmm. on a cellular level. Mm -hmm. I want to know why I should Mm -hmm. do this thing. And if I understand it, then I'll get behind it 100%. And at that time, I would have told you too, that I'm I'm not down for any touchy feel stuff. I'm just not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that anymore because right. that's not my belief, and I don't even like that framing anymore. Sure. But at the time, that's really how I was looking at it, yeah. and I can that helps me to see where other people are coming at.
0: Yeah. With yeah. this. Okay. So the science convinced you, and what yeah. did it convince you? Of?
1: At a cellular level, mm-hmm. this was impacting me. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it was even shortening my life, mm-hmm. and that forever the F word. Mm-hmm. Feelings. The F yeah. word in healthcare yeah. and in lots of other industries is feelings. That's so um, good. That it's not okay to talk about feelings. And I honestly sold myself for years yeah. that I did not have feelings and that my feelings did not matter. Yeah. And part, it was part of survival. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a nurse, taking care of a baby, hooked up to essentially bypass mm-hmm. for days, weeks, months, mm-hmm. um, That was part of how I was able to do that care. Yeah. But it wasn't true the whole time. Like I was having feelings, whether I wanted to acknowledge them or not. And those feelings is what was impacting me physiologically the whole time
0: mm-hmm. that would end up coming out at someone in the target line.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: Like the least suspecting
1: place for yeah. your feelings. Yes. Were. over for someone who's helping yeah. me. Yeah. And now I'm being a, a big B to yeah. this person yeah. because of what I just experienced on my shift yeah. or I'd be at an elementary school choir concert, you know, sitting there with all the other parents and I would just start sobbing hysterically. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that was, you know, just sadness that it felt like there wasn't another space for it to come out. Right. So right. then is that a great time for it to come out? Not really. Right. <laughs> but, but, but maybe better have like, it to come out. Yes. Good that it came out. And right. maybe people just thought I was like, Oh, Ava's on stage. <laughs> she really <laughs> loves choir music. Yeah. Yeah. I do love choirs, but
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, you said something that I just could so identify with and you just called it out so beautifully. Um, and so honestly, where it's like, as healthcare professionals, we are so wired to take care of others. We will do anything to care for others. Like literally, I've stood in an airline seat hovering over someone as the plane is bouncing up and down and we're making a quick landing cause someone's crashing on a plane yep. and that's fine. Yeah. But I literally have the hardest time crying. Like, mm-hmm. and I have never still like, I know it's there. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I've unpacked it in little bursts, mm-hmm. but like that full unpackage, still super uncomfortable yep and so in that moment that you were sitting there in that training i can only imagine it was like oh i cried
1: yeah and i was like trying to hide it and like (laughs) yeah finding old tissues and i'm like what is happening like oh my gosh I was mortified. Yeah, um, but I've made peace with that now. Yeah, you you are now free <laughs> to say the F word. Use that. I word am. Yeah, say it, all the time. It. I make signs about it actually, just to yeah. try to get people to come in and talk with me about the F word, yeah. um, because part of the lack of conversation is what's keeping mm-hmm. us from getting to the healing mm-hmm. that we all need to be able to get at.
0: And what do you think would happen if we were brave enough, courageous enough in healthcare to say? It's okay to be a doctor or a nurse and have feelings. Because mm-hmm. we have this fear, I think, that our profession would fall apart, mm-hmm. like we could not exist. And the truth of the matter is, we're exposed to traumatic work all the time in the hospital setting in particular. So there is a level of you need to have a shutoff valve, because yep. there's work at hand you have to do. <clears throat> but how could we better promote the feelings in the here and the now versus the Impact of the holding on to it for years later and we know what that impact is. It's Mm -hmm. huge. It's addiction. It's lack of sleep. It's divorce. It's um, Tears when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. It's anxiety. I mean well and it's illness
1: and it's illness I mean, we're gonna start seeing that more and more in the studies that come out Mm -hmm. in the future is the impact um, That stress has on a cellular level and it's not gonna be pretty.
0: It won't be pretty I think I heard recently that like 80% of Um, doctor's visits are now stress-related. The root Mm -hmm. cause of it is underlying in stress. So yeah, 100%. And I don't know if everyone realizes, but a lot of the um, studies done, in particular around night shift work, (laughs) guess who their great participants are? (laughs) Nurses. nurses. Yep, so the rate of cancer that they've discovered in people who work night shifts, especially in nurses, yeah. Yeah. But what do you think we need to do internally? Because I feel like we want to blame it on all the external things but do you think it's a little bit of like the internal culture that we kind of self perpetuate a little well, bit that we bought into
1: yeah we bought into yeah yeah um, we need to give ourselves permission mm-hmm. and that's a hard thing to do mm-hmm. and sometimes we need external influences to help us get to that point yeah um, for me um, that point didn't come until after I left the bedside mm-hmm. um, but my dad um, was diagnosed with cancer yeah And I remember very, thank you very specifically having a very firm conversation with Mm -hmm. myself about Mm -hmm. what was coming next. And I remember committing to, you're going to just, whatever comes comes and you're going to experience it real time. You're not going to hide it. You're not going to pretend. And if people ask, if you feel like telling them great, if you don't fine. But I, I gave myself that permission to be real. Yeah. And honestly, it helped me tremendously through the 12 months. Um, yeah. He lived almost exactly 12 months from diagnosis to death. And it, it was an incredible 12 months of, um, of love and sadness mm-hmm. and family and all these things mixed together. Mm-hmm. But that permission piece was huge and it's something that I've carried forward. Mm-hmm. And it's I consider it one of the gifts mm-hmm. um, of his diagnosis was mm-hmm. that.
0: So can you tell us a little more about what you're doing now? This this journey you know, that you've started to share with us led you to, to where you are now. And it, to me, is something that I hold so much regard for because I understand what it, at least to some degree, what it took for you to probably have the position that you have now. It's not common no. <laughs> at all. As I don't even know another hospital that has your position. So something big happened in the hospital that you're that you're in, within you, to make this happen. If you can just share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I just spent some time thinking about what did I want next, yeah. and I will tell you there was a big rub because at the time there was a big shortage of ICU nurses, and uh-huh. I had a lot of guilt yeah. around should I go back into patient care, mm-hmm. but I'm a Pete's nurse and there wasn't a shortage of those at the, at the time. It sure. was adult ICU nurses. So there was a little bit of that moral rub. And then I, I landed on, I will be able to impact more people yeah. if I do this role. Yeah, If I have the ability to think about this and only this all day long, yeah. what could come of that? Like I've never gotten to do that before. I don't know that many people have ever gotten to do that before. So what could it look like? And so I was lucky enough to um, get to collaborate with some team members that I worked with at another organization. And and they created this role for me um, with the idea that they were ready to do something different Mm -hmm. um, for their team members. So my role as resilience coach, um, I only take care of team members i love that so much yeah like yeah. i am a nurse and i yeah. still fully identify as nurse mm-hmm. keep my credentials on my tag mm-hmm. um but i don't see patients and my patient care population is healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And that is a broad term. So it's not just doctors and nurses, yeah. it's everybody in our whole system. So, you know, our clinical folks, yep, that's easy mm-hmm. for me to identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I've learned a lot and have grown a huge appreciation for our non-clinical mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. Um, folks within the healthcare organization because they're a vital piece. Oh, yeah. And they've had a lot of stressors um, throughout COVID and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need just as much help with stress management too.
0: One hundred percent. I think it's the- that's something that kind of filters into every company and corporation, right, is you tend to focus on those that hold a little bit more of the face time. Mm-hmm. But if you spend any time in a hospital, I'll use them as the analogy because it's what yeah. I know best, but you look at even like housekeeping mm-hmm. and the diligence it takes to clean a hospital ICU room full of a million things yeah. and the stress that lies in that and what those individuals are getting exposed to themselves, mm-hmm. the risks that they take to actually do mm-hmm. that job. I mean, it starts from... You know, every corner. Yep, right. Well, and
1: the best. relationships that they even make with the patients yes. and the families as yeah. they go in every day. Yeah. Same thing with our nutrition food services yeah. folks, same things. Things that were not always Top of mind, yeah, it's all there. It is. Um, even people that do coding, that are transcribing medical records, mm-hmm. like they're reading it and incurring secondary trauma mm-hmm. from what they're reading. Mm-hmm. So the layer, I mean, the onion, mm-hmm. <laughs> the layers of this onion go pretty deep. Go pretty deep. And yeah. there's no shortage of work because we know that there is stress and challenge in the world, yeah. and definitely within healthcare systems. Yes, 100%.
0: So, something I hear a lot about because it's interesting, I, you know, your position as a resilience coach, mm-hmm. and I've become more acutely aware in the last couple of years um, of this kind of like aversion to that word resilience. Mm-hmm. And healthcare professionals in particular are saying it's not a lack of resilience, it's like moral injury. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about like that word resilience versus like moral injury versus burnout? Are, I mean, how similar are they or how different are they? Yeah,
1: I'm glad you brought this up. Well, first of all, I did not pick my title. So yeah. this was a title that was bequeathed to me. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's relatable. Like everyone kind of yeah.
1: has an idea. Yeah, what it is, what but it, is. It, is. it also is a turnoff to your point. Yeah. Some people are like, it kind of cringes. And so when I see people kind of having a reaction to my title, yeah. I kind of try to diffuse it by using humor. because that's. Sure. So I will say, well, don't worry, I'm not part unicorn or <laughs> you know, something like that. Which you that. probably are if you're a resilience well, coach. maybe, maybe <laughs> I yeah. am. Yeah. Um, But, you know, what I found is regardless of whatever term you want to use, um, moral distress, second victim, um, secondary trauma, burnout, all of those things are essentially when individuals are negatively impacted yeah. by the work they've chosen to do.
0: Mm. Such a simple and yet such a, like, profound
1: answer. Yeah, I mean, that's we are making it more complicated. And I know there's lots of different arguments by scholars over what words and what words mean what. And Mm -hmm. in the end, I like to just boil it all down Mm -hmm. because sometimes I have gotten into conversations with people and sometimes during classes Mm -hmm. and it's not really the best time to have the conversation. But if I can boil it to its most simplest form, that is what it is. That's what all of those words mean. So what are we gonna do about it? We're all in agreement that people are being impacted negatively by work they're willingly choosing to do like mm-hmm. throwing themselves at training for years and years and years mm-hmm. and then within one to two years are wondering why in the hell yeah. am I doing this yeah
0: but your concept about debriefing i think if anyone's going to pay attention to that right now it'd be in this time post pandemic because i even look at where we're sitting and self esteem brands is an incredible company but Fitness was not essential during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They were shut down across the world. And the trauma that that probably caused to every franchise owner, to every business leader is mm-hmm. huge. Yep. But we just are so like automated, right? As mm-hmm. humans to like, once we can go, we just go. And sometimes you have to, mm-hmm. but sometimes like cultures that are even really good at preventative health and wellbeing need debriefing. Mm-hmm. Like need to actually like think about, absorb, unpack what
1: they just went through. Well, and to really understand that that's where healing can sometimes Mm -hmm. start for people if it hasn't started already. And growth comes from it too. Yeah. Like even in the worst of circumstances, Mm -hmm. there is something that you learned Mm -hmm. and you will take away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are, as a society, we are really great at admiring problems. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very true. But, you know, what if we reframed the situation yeah. and we're able to look at it, it's like, yep, that happened and it was terrible. Yeah. But look at all these other things now, I know how to do yeah. because of that. Right. Right. And and it's in the back of our mind, but we don't bring it forward mm-hmm. and give it space. Mm-hmm. We're really great at giving space to the negative. Mm-hmm. We're not great at giving space to the positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a simple thing, but it's something mm-hmm. I coach on a lot um, because we're not really aware of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, again, something we've been conditioned to, yeah. to do and yeah. spend a lot of time on. And yeah. if you look at um, news media, social media, It's a lot of negativity. Let's keep recycling all of those negative thought patterns, and bringing forward
0: the positive ones that happened, even in the hard, you know, climb to wherever you were trying to get whatever you're trying to get through yeah
1: and i mean part of it is how we're hardwired right like we are survivalists as humans and so it's important for us to be aware of bad things Mm -hmm. Um, but the opportunity is okay if you're gonna have this much awareness to the bad stuff you have to have just as much awareness Mm -hmm. to the good things that are happening side by side in those exact moments Mm -hmm. because if you don't elevate it if you don't give it space it's like it never happened
0: yeah. so what's one of the tools that you found to be really helpful for, it can be either for you or kind of like if you're just going to generalize like a couple of tools that you think are so powerful consistently yeah. amongst the individuals that you work with
1: um, I am a heart math provider mm-hmm. so I'm a user I know you are yeah. as well um, I really like um the platform yeah. that HeartMath provides yeah. and the science mm-hmm. <laughs> yes
0: it's well studied there's a lot of evidence behind its yeah. benefits um
1: which i think is really helpful when you're trying to sell it to yeah. skeptics mm-hmm. um and i once was a really big skeptic mm-hmm. so i get it and i I can think about myself 10 years ago and somebody telling me to take a few slow, deep breaths, and I'm sure I would have rolled my eyes mm-hmm. and said some curt comment, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yes. I'll keep to myself right now. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, I understand the physiological mm-hmm. value of that. Mm-hmm. And I never took the time to think about it, but it makes sense. Yeah. You know, when we pause to slow our breathing down, mm-hmm. Our heart rate goes down mm-hmm. because we've decreased our cardiac demand. A hundred and ten percent. We are people of science. We understand that, but sometimes we just don't allow ourselves to get to that level of thinking. When someone says, "Take a few slow, deep breaths," just like, "Well, what's that gonna do?" Right, right. <laughs> well, actually, it does. It actually, a does a lot. lot. Yeah, it it does a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so. That is number one, like the Mm -hmm. biggest thing that I'm constantly trying to get myself to engage in. Mm -hmm. My kids are really good at reminding me when to engage in such practices. Mom, you should do that breathing thing.
0: Yeah, I (laughs) love that. You're like, oh, okay, note to self. Which is really
1: good. Yeah. Um, And probably the other one that I use a lot is um, in helping people transition. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the greatest things about nursing is hypothetically, you don't bring your work home, mm-hmm. right? Like you do your work and you yes. don't have a briefcase with papers that you bring home. Like right. You leave your work when you get in the car. Mm-hmm. However, however you have about 15 to 20 patients you're usually carrying with you into the car somewhere in here. Yep. There's mm-hmm. baggage that's coming. So we have to be really intentional about how we transition so that we're not bringing all of that with us home. We'll return to Rebel and Be Well in just a moment, but first,
0: a few words about our sponsors. I want to say a special thank you to everyone at Self-Esteem Brands. We are grateful for the recording space and support you have provided to our podcast platform and team. You can find more information about Self-Esteem Brands in the show notes. We appreciate and savor every sip of Dry Farm wines during our podcast conversations and every event at the point retreats. To find out more about Dry Farm Wines, find their link in our show notes. Thank you Paddle North for being our preferred Minnesota-based brand and company. We honor every memorable paddle. To find out more information about Paddle North, find their link in our show notes. The Point Retreats and Rentals is situated roughly 30 minutes outside Brainerd, Minnesota. The property's private peninsula boasts over 1,500 feet of stunning shoreline spanning three lakes on the pristine Whitefish chain of lakes. Whether you need time to renew, reset, or reconnect, we have a space that can host your family, group, or team. Click on the show notes to find out more about the Point Retreats and the Point Rentals.
1: Honestly, the hardest thing that I coach people on is actually getting them to do it
0: yeah really yeah yeah they kind of listen to that and I go mm-hmm, yeah that's like, oh, really yeah, nice that sounds nice yeah. that'll work
1: but uh-huh. it's like until it becomes a new habit or a new behavior and yeah. we know behavior science tells us it takes 21 days mm-hmm. to create a new habit mm-hmm. doing something consistently again and again and again for you to be able to weave it into your pattern of norms right. Um, and it's hard to do something consistently mm-hmm. for 21 days. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, which I will be, mm-hmm. um, I was not really thrilled when I first started my um, heart math journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I was bucking it a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know that this is for me. And I'm going through this 21 days of trying to create a habit. And mm-hmm. and it was work. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, like <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> right. But the payoff, and I remember exactly where I was, I was in an elevator going to a, a meeting and I took a deep breath mm-hmm. and in that action, it sent a signal to my brain like, oh, I should do some hard focused breathing. Yeah. Just by taking that deep breath because yeah. I had made a connection from all of that effort I was putting in. Right. And now I don't have to work so hard.
0: It finally became automated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, behavior yeah. change is probably the hardest thing humans do, period. period. Whether it's yourself, whether it's your coaching and someone else, it is the hardest thing, Mm -hmm. period. Um, I was seriously a pain in the ass nurse when I first started working out in the gym Mm because I would just, like, fight any personal trainer or any coach that wanted (laughs) to work with me. I'm like, no, I know the signs and the data behind all these things. I've got this, Mm -hmm. like... And I was literally, like, I remember one time just, like, sharing, like, journal articles and research and just trying to fight what they were telling me. And I'm like, why am I being my own worst enemy? Mm-hmm. What do I have to lose? Because what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. I am not healthy. I do not feel my best. Mm-hmm. I'm tanking. Yeah. And then finally, I literally, like, had to swallow hard and mm-hmm. just be like, okay. I'm going to do whatever you think is best for three months. You have three months. Mm-hmm. I better feel a whole of a hell of a lot better. And I think it took like two weeks. Yeah. But literally, I was just my own worst enemy. I was getting in my own way.
1: Yep. Which we do all the time. And that's just that's part of life
0: it is part of life yeah so
1: it's being ready Mm -hmm. to do something different is Mm -hmm. a big part of it if you're not ready yet and and that's okay i I come across lots of people that aren't ready yet yeah um and there's no judgment i've been there i totally understand it um but it doesn't mean that i don't care about them and i really want them to know what their options are um probably the worst thing I can hear a person say, at least in my system, is that we don't have support options. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't ever want people to say that or believe that to be true, because we do. do. Yeah. And so that's a lot of my work, honestly, mm-hmm. every day is just making sure that people not only know what they are, but understand how to navigate them because there's choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and not it's not a one size fits all. It's right. finding the right choice um, for the moment,
0: right? And just planting the seeds, mm-hmm. right? Everyone might grab yep. onto the seed at a different time, mm-hmm. but just knowing that it's there. Yep. And so when that day comes when the, someone is ready, mm-hmm. they know where to go. Yep. They know where to turn. So if you could paint this picture um, of what like improved health and well-being could really tangibly mean, and I'm just going to use healthcare again because yeah. it's what we both know well, Like, what would that look like? like if, if you could systematically go, poof, we're like 10%, improved in our well-being markers like what do you think is going to really like drive that is it having 20 carries in the hospital systems is it um bringing in other nurses to give other nurses breaks is it giving physicians um you know better opportunities to sleep
1: i mean like mm-hmm. what it's, is that it's not just one thing yeah. right like it's all those things um but I think if the two words that come to top of mind, um, are acceptance, mm-hmm. like healthcare workers have to accept mm-hmm. that they need help mm-hmm. and that there's no shame in needing help. Mm-hmm. None of us are perfect mm-hmm. and none of us are untouched. Mm-hmm. Like we are witnessing human suffering every day. Mm-hmm. And the normalest thing that we could allow ourselves to do is react, mm-hmm. but somehow we've been taught or decided we shouldn't react
0: right which is very (laughs) counterintuitive to human nature
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so if we could do that um and then work on capacity Mm -hmm. and you know within a healthcare system you know that word has lots of different meaning Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it does yes but you know how are people plugging in like what is the opportunity for people to plug in Mm -hmm. um in your space Mm -hmm.
0: You can't improve capacity unless you accept that you need room for capacity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. It sounds so simple, but it probably like is that. exactly where we need to start.
1: It's, yeah. it's hard. I mean, yeah. it's a hard and generally, um, at least in my own personal experience, I mean, I was pretty rock bottom by the time I finally would look in the mirror mm-hmm. and admit what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I'm, pleased to say I'm still married. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My husband put up with a lot um, and was wonderful and supportive and was probably scared out of his mind sometimes when I would come home and just be in a state of, I mean, irritability 10 times and sad and scared. Like all of these emotions just in conflict even too. And then, you know, trying to be a mother to our three daughters who are healthy and wonderful. And how lucky am I? Mm -hmm. But then I just helped a mother say goodbye to her daughter last night. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't any space to walk through that. And, um, actually my daughter asked me a really profound question last night. She asked me, I'm going to get a little tearier. she asked me if I thought I should go to therapy right now. Mm Um, she's seeing a therapist, Mm -hmm. uh, which she would be very happy to share with people. And I said, you know what? I think I, I don't need to see a therapist right now. Mm -hmm. Like I think that I am handling my life pretty well, Mm -hmm. but I acknowledge that I will spend the rest of my life Mm -hmm. unpacking 16 years Mm -hmm. of bedside care Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the skills and ability to unpack it real time. Right. Right. So now I'll have to invest a lot of time in my future. And there may be times where I need someone to help me yeah. on my journey. Yeah, And there may be other times that I'll be okay on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great question. It's a great question. But
0: you started by doing what the advice that you give others. You've accepted that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you've accepted that you do have that. Yep and now the process can begin and Mm -hmm. however that needs to look for you or it's probably in process already just knowing you
1: yeah and it doesn't make me i mean I don't, I'm not a big bragger, but I'm like, I was a dang good nurse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It didn't make, or it doesn't make me a bad nurse. I, I can say that now right. with years under me. Yeah. Um, and that experience to know that it, it never made me a bad nurse yeah. because I cried or because I was sad. Yeah. Like I was still very competent and capable and mm. providing the care real time. Right. Um, and hiding all of this, other baggage. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't helping. Yeah. It wasn't helping me even provide better care, right?
0: It's not helping you personally. It's not helping you professionally. It's not really helping your patients. We like to think it is, but at the end of the day, it's usually not.
1: Yeah. No, it isn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I will just resonate with you. And obviously we could probably share a million stories, but, um, I think. You know, we all spend X number of years kind of with our heads like buried in the sand around our own grief that we're carrying. Mm -hmm. And I um, came upon a terrible car motorcycle scene that was in a pretty urban area. And I was the only first responder slash healthcare professional there. And I had taken my EMT training and was on site trying to help this motorcyclist who was in this position with gray matter coming out of his ears. So we both know what that means. And then I saw two people in a car that was also on fire and I had to triage. And I'm like, where am I going to go? And I could not find a pulse in this particular motorcyclist who was maybe 30. Mm -hmm. And I had to make the decision to leave him. And Mm -hmm. I remember just going, go to a better place. Mm -hmm. And then went to the car and was helping the other two people get out of the car that was on fire. And I literally got in the car because when I pulled over my five-year-old at the time, my oldest daughter was in the car with me, and I'm like, honey, just look ahead. Mm-hmm. Don't look at what mommy's doing. Just look ahead, and I'll yeah. be back in a little bit. Got in the car and drove away, and I'm, she's like, mom, what just happened? I'm like, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? No, that is not fine. I'm like, nothing about that is fine. Mm-hmm. And my adrenaline is going. And I mean, it was just a horrific situation. I'm giving you the brief little snapshot here, but you get the picture. Yeah. And it wasn't until 10 years later that, for the first time as a nurse, I was in a hospital where we offered healing touch to patients. And I saw it doing some profound things. And I was like, huh, I should maybe try that myself. Really, not even completely understanding what it was at the time. And I did it. And the practitioner was over my throat chakra. And these s- tears from my buckets, a totally <laughs> like subconscious space,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just started flying. And I could not control them. Like it was completely out of my control.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she's like, you're seeing somebody, I feel like, who are you seeing? And it was that young motorcyclist that I had said, there's nothing we can do for him. And I went on and I carried him. And I remember I looked for him in the obituary. I wanted to tell his family, like I felt for a pulse in every which way I could and I couldn't find one. And I knew he had probably broken a C1 and probably had a traumatic brain injury and justify why I didn't try harder. And it took so many tears. And like, I think we spent an hour at my throat chakra Mm -hmm. just to let him go from my body. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like he's one of a lot of people in here and it's okay. Like I kind of had to rectify, like he's part of my story and I'm Mm -hmm. part of his in some way. And there's a beauty in that, that you share with patients in healthcare, but you have to grieve. Yeah. You have to grieve.
1: You have to grieve. And I think there's also a piece, you know, we're so highly trained to save and yeah. fix, yeah. and we can always. Mm-hmm. It's not within our control for lots of different reasons, yeah. but it doesn't mean that we're not caring. Yes. The care is always there, and it's so vital to not lose sight of that. Yeah. Um, because even though we're not going to get the outcome that we would all prefer, yeah. it does not mean that we are not providing amazing care in this really hard space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of value. Yeah.
0: And that's flipping the script in your mm-hmm. mind of what you're telling yourself, which yes. is, you know, exactly what you even heard me do, right? Yes. I said all the things like I didn't maybe do quite right. Yeah like, no. Mm-hmm. I cared for him. What did you do? Yep, I took those moments with him and I, yeah, was as peaceful and present and sound as I could be. And I know I was part of his passing and I tried to make that as unchaotic as I could mm-hmm. in a chaotic situation. Yep. Um, so which flipping that script. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah. Thank you for just, I kind of was like, oh, you're doing that thing on me. (laughs) Which is good. Which is good. No, it's working and I get it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's just, it's an opportunity to reframe. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, we're just, it's so automatic. Yeah. Um, And when we stop trying to do that all the time Mm -hmm. and give room for something else, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, we can always admire how awful things are, but what if we also admired the amazing thing, like COVID's a great example for lots of different things, but I mean, horrific in so many ways, shapes and form, but also amazing Mm -hmm. what humans did Mm -hmm. and are still doing, are still doing. Yes. You you think about those early days and like how scary it was and the care that was being given and um, just so a couple of months ago, um, I had an event in the the fall uh, Mm -hmm. for caregivers Mm -hmm. that was amazing. And uh, we did a story slam, Mm -hmm. which was, I'm a big fan of stories. Um, And one of the speaker, one of the storytellers shared a story of a COVID patient she cared for. And at that time they weren't, there were no visitors and um, the gentleman asked her to play a song yeah. for his family mm-hmm. um, when she called and told them. Mm-hmm. And so I have the song in my playlist mm-hmm. now. And so it came up the other night and I was doing something and one of my other daughters was with me and I'm like, hey, do you wanna hear a story about mm-hmm. this song? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I don't know. Is it sad? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, just like
0: your stories are usually sad. Bob. Like it
1: is sad, but it's yeah. also really amazing, beautiful too. And mm-hmm. she's like, "Yeah, I did think it was weird that this song was on your playlist." It's mm-hmm. so Alan Jackson. Remember when?
0: I know that song. Oh, that's like a heartbreaking song, no matter what. Uh-huh. And
1: then, yeah. But to think about that, this man was at the end of his life, and he wasn't with his family, and that is what he wanted to leave How he them to with. Leave. Yeah, like. I can get teary over that yeah. every single time Yeah, and even though we weren't getting the outcome we wanted, right. the care that the team provided for that man in that space was pretty profound.
0: They gave him a big, he and his family a gift with, yeah.
1: with what they could do with what they had. And that's something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Like we cannot lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in the sea of problems we swim in every day.
0: It's very true. In all honesty, I was talking with a couple of members of our team who are in their 30s. I said, you know, I'm 48. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone 68 or 70 would have 20, 30 years more wisdom than I have. But what I'll tell you from in my 48 years, in the last few years, we have I've have never experienced such a rapid amount of change, stress, trauma. Mm-hmm. And even in our business, it, it's been like this, yep. you know what Roller I mean? And through all of this, it, as you said. And... and like, you know, seriously, like, I f- and, and I don't mean to sound, you know, pollyanna but truthfully, like, I feel like our whole freaking world deserves a huge badge of resilience.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: I think we just got through probably one of the most challenging times in history that if you're sitting here today, you're going to live through, yep. presumably, yeah, collectively. Mm-hmm. And if you're still sitting here and talking about it and trying to learn from it and trying to do better in front of you because of it. Like that is freaking resilience.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. We're surrounded by it every
0: day. Yeah. We just don't always like call it out no. for what it is. And
1: we don't always make the connections yeah. either. And we're also doing things to care for ourselves every day that we don't mm-hmm. make connections mm-hmm. to either. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's sometimes not about starting something new. Yeah. It might even just be identifying mm-hmm. what you already do, mm-hmm. and the reason why you do it.
0: Yes, so true. And give yourself like a pat on the back mm-hmm. for having like, that. Like, look
1: at you. Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome that you yeah. did that.
0: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. somebody ask you. Here's our rebel and be well sign. Okay. And I love it because you sat down and right away you like just poured out your rebellious stuff. And was <laughs> like, nice. Gary is totally meant to be here. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. You'll find this probably somewhat entertaining. The whole reason for Rebell Be Well, which I haven't actually gone into in a podcast yet or shared with okay. the guest yet, but I have shared at the point a few times because um, I host a Rebel and Be Well kind of closing seminar.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I was director of diabetes and endocrinology care, we had about 40,000 patients in our mm-hmm. hospitals and clinics that we were responsible for, our team was responsible for, and I was responsible for directing the team of physicians and nurses and RDs and yada, yada we're all treating a disease that is probably 80-ish percent, you know, largely attributed to lifestyle. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I had a patient at one point pull me aside because she wanted to make a complaint. And her complaint was that our team was incredibly unhealthy. She's like, nobody looks like they exercise. Nobody looks like they sleep. Everyone's like slightly crabby. And like, my gut reaction was I wanted to get kind of angry and be like, oh, do you know how hard everybody's working? Do you know how many things they're sacrificing and blah, blah, blah?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I had to pause and just look at her and go, You're right. You're right. <laughs> you are totally right. Yeah. And I don't know quite how to fix it, but I heard you and I'm going to pay attention to that. Yeah. And then I knew it had to start with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I literally carry, I put, I would, I, my decision was I had to start going to the gym consistently. Mm-hmm. Was, my foundation had to be fitness. I just mm-hmm. knew it was my primary motivator. Yeah. And I would mark out two hours in a week, two hours, where I would put VIP one-on-one. And that was when I went to the gym. I did not tell my boss.
1: I actually told no <laughs> one.
0: And people were like, well, what's that meaning about? I'm like, I know, but it's super Very hard. important. And I'd go to the gym and it took me a year to like shed the guilt mm-hmm. of being like, oh my gosh, you should be doing a million other things. And I didn't and I chose to, and I'm like, nope, yeah. you're going to the gym, you're going to the gym. I have three kids. I'm like, yeah. it's not gonna happen when I go home, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I never take a lunch break. So this is this is my time, this is my time, this is self-care. How can I promote this in our team, trickle down to our 40,000 plus patients, if I don't do it? It Took me a year to confess to my boss about it Mm -hmm. because I also gave permission eventually for our team to do that. I actually asked them to please do that. Find whatever you need to do in that one-on-one time, but make it yours, own it, make it about you being well.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And our team was so happy. Mm-hmm. after six months. Yeah. And my boss called me in and said, you know, what is your team doing? Because there's a shift, a noticeable shift. And usually everybody's, you know, pretty stressed out and there's the workload so high and there's a yeah. lot of complaints and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? I said, you may fire me for this because I'm asking for <laughs> forgiveness and not permission, which we talked about. But I'm like, I, it started with me. Mm-hmm. I had to give myself permission to take care of myself because I can't encourage that in others if I'm not doing it. And oh. then I eventually gave them permission to do it. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Game changer. Game changer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she just kind of giggled and laughed and was like, you know what, if you'd have asked me for permission to do something like that, I probably would have said no. See? Don't and have. she's like, and I'm going to tell you, <laughs> keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like,
1: Whew. and that is what rebelling is about. Yeah. Well, you it's know, about Going with your yeah. instinct. Like yeah. you knew it was going to be the difference yeah. and you know, sometimes some people need the evidence. Yeah. And so that's why it's better to ask forgiveness because right. I need the evidence. And hopefully our kids don't <laughs> listen to this,
0: because they're gonna be like, I think I heard you say this Yeah, thing? <laughs> But it's true, it's true in life. I think mm-hmm. especially, you know, our adult work selves,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it's kind of where that little bit of rebellion can come in handy, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, you have to kind of fight for yourself Yep, to push through, pull through, get through.
1: Um, well, you have to stay in the space. Like. Yeah all of you like not just your intellectual mind that's driving all these things but what's carrying the mind
0: yes and how's
1: it carrying it
0: okay so what's the most rebellious thing that you've done personally
1: or professionally (sighs) (laughs) you have a story Uh, (laughs) yeah Um, I no longer work at this institution, but, um, and very safely, we, safety was of utmost. Um, but we had a a child that essentially had grown up in the hospital, had never gotten to leave. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we brought him outside, um, to feel grass Mm -hmm. on his feet. Yeah. And, um, we didn't ask permission. I had a whole whole team of people and, uh, we just did it Mm -hmm. and.
0: yeah. And he just brought that little kiddo. And is not that amazing that that's rebellious?
1: Yeah, it is rebellious. But it is like, like really truthfully yeah. taking
0: a against policy out of the hospital <laughs> to do something like that. Yeah, you might have gotten a no.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely would have gotten a no. But yeah, I. Um,
0: but for him, I mean, what was that moment like?
1: it Well, his. You know how little people feel about grass when mm-hmm. they first. They're like. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't quite what I imagined.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think a, a million things were going through his mind. Just you know, the street and the car and the, yeah. the cars and the people and like yeah. there was a lot of different stimulants that he was not exposed to yeah. um, ever. Yeah. So there were a lot of firsts in that space. Um, I never did that again, but I did um, bring snow inside. And yeah. We built a snowman Aww. in his crib. You're so, that's like, you're a
0: Rockstar pediatric nurse. You know, you gotta,
1: I mean, I you love taking care of kids because it's just, you can have so much fun. Um, and when you see a short
0: lifespan and a kiddo. Mm-hmm. You're like, I am going to f- rebel all I need to, to make yeah. sure you can feel the grass, you yeah. can see the snow. All of those things really matter in mm-hmm. quality of life. Mm-hmm. Like we get very hyper-focused on quantity. Quality is so important. It Equally, is. if not more important. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. For so many reasons, yes.
0: yeah. yeah. Way to go! <laughs> I love that story. That's well worth the rebellious act. Yeah, yeah.
1: it yeah. was. It was well worth it. Yeah. Felt good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what are three health habits that are kind of your staple that keep Carrie grounded, that mm-hmm. keep Carrie
1: present, that keep you, you know, able to do this work? Because you're absorbing a lot. Yep. I. Some days are harder than others. Um, breakfast is a non-negotiable for me. Um, I don't know how people go into the world without breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I hear that every day. Well, I'm gonna have to go down and get breakfast at some point. I'm like, what? You left your house? Yeah. Like, what happen? <laughs> you left it with an empty tank? Like, I just yeah. have to have breakfast. Yeah. Um, I have to be outside at some point mm-hmm. every day. Um, I've learned the hard lesson that um, I am very connected to the outdoors, yeah. and if I don't have that space, even though I'm small, um, I start to feel really different. Yeah. And I don't. Feel well, yeah. Um, and then probably lastly, um, and I've had to give myself permission around this, but especially on days where I've ingested a lot of other people's things, um, I need some space, mm-hmm. um, quiet space to do that. So sometimes that means me just closing my door. Sometimes mm-hmm. it means me leaving early. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it means me going down to the gym and hopping on the Peloton. Mm-hmm. Um, it means different things on different days, sure. but, uh, but recognizing that. That I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, and choosing what I'm going to do about it yeah. instead of just sitting with it. Yeah.
0: Those are three really important health habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'm sure are like your necessities mm-hmm. for survival. Right. Yes. And for being the caregiver that you want to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like, if I can't show up, mm-hmm. um, in the way that I want to, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be any of any use to anybody.
0: Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Mm -hmm. Well, kudos to you for just recognizing those, first of all, and then Mm. making them part of your daily practice, right? Because they will sustain you, I'm sure, and do sustain you Mm -hmm. through many days. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So as we're kind of wrapping up our conversation, because we're in the tattoo room, I have to ask you this. Yes. (laughs) I know you're like, we are Um, the only corporate tattoo room that I'm aware of globally, to be quite honest. but. If you got a tattoo or if you say, if you didn't want to get a tattoo, like a mantra on your desk that you think best mm-hmm. represents your philosophy around life, health, well-being, resilience, any of that, mm-hmm. like what would it be?
1: Um, I've joked about this in a lot of classes I've given, but because I have a tattoo already yeah. and I don't, I'm not sure that I'd want to tattoo this on me, but sure. if I were gonna get a hypothetical one, um, I would want to just put right on my forearm, pee, cry, sweat. Ooh. Okay. Tell me about that. Uh, Because it is one of the simplest and most effective things you can do for yourself after a critical event. Mm -hmm. And we all have to be reminded sometimes. So the science behind it, you talked about um, the adrenaline that you Mm -hmm. had after you were at that accident Mm -hmm. and probably you were buzzing on your steering wheel Mm -hmm. as you were driving your daughter Mm -hmm. and you know, adrenaline's great because you can flip a switch and it shows up. Yeah. Um, but there's no off switch. Yeah. And so um, I learned at that community firehouse in mm-hmm. that weekend that changed my life, this idea around after a critical incident, one of the best ways you can care for yourself mm-hmm. is by peeing it out, crying mm-hmm. it out and sweating it out. Mm-hmm. So essentially we are actively choosing to excrete mm-hmm. things like cortisol and adrenaline and all the other stress hormones that we don't need anymore. Yeah. And so it's just fast forwarding, you know, it eventually will dissipate over time, but we can speed that up because right. it doesn't feel good to stay in that heightened space yeah. when you're no longer in the situation. Yeah. Um, and gosh, I had so many times where, because things always seem to deteriorate right at the change of shift, you're right. trying to go home right. at seven thirty in the morning. And so you can go to bed and come back and something right. happens and you're all, you know, reacting to it. And I wish I would have known that then mm-hmm. that I could have helped myself, mm-hmm. um, by peeing, crying or sweating.
0: Sweating. And those are three like simple things to do, but when you're in a heightened state. Often Mm -hmm. it's so chaotic you can't even think of like those three simple things. Those three simple reminders, just that reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, but it's a physiological, emotional, maybe even spiritual detox, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're getting rid of all of those things that no longer serving your body. Don't need them and letting them go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. Yep. You might be the first person to get that
1: tattoo, but that'd be pretty
0: cool. It would have, be. In the nursing world, they'd be like, oh, that's brilliant. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> i know. like,
1: well, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love
1: that answer. <laughs> My kids would just be mortified, but <laughs> they hear about this a lot.
0: It depends where you put it on your body. True. It would be that's fine. True. Yeah, as long as you can see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all that matters. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for being really vulnerable, really honest, really authentic. Um, I think that is a really incredible way to lead and mentor people in general and especially in the healthcare space just to say like you are an incredibly strong human like sitting next to you there's like every ounce of like the strong energy emitting from you (laughs) but it comes from a lot of I know deep places Mm -hmm. right that have had some painful points Mm -hmm. um, and yet you've really taken those and let them serve you in a way that can now make you a better whole person, and then also help others do the Mm -hmm. same. So I really honor you for that
1: work. It's incredible. Well, thank you for having me and giving space to this. I mean, it's such a huge job right now and Mm -hmm. we need so many people Mm -hmm. trying to impact it in lots of different ways. So the work you're doing at The Points is amazing. Um, And I'm glad that our paths have crossed.
0: Yeah, Yeah. likewise. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being here today. Have a good day. I want to say a special thank you to everyone at Self Esteem Brands, the parent company of Anytime Fitness, Waxing the City, Bar Method, Stronger You Nutrition, and Base Camp Fitness. We are grateful for the recording space and support you have provided to our podcast platform and team. You are a true example of what it means to rebel and be well. You can learn more about Self Esteem Brands via the link shared in the show notes below. We appreciate and savor every sip of Dry Farm Wines during our podcast conversations and every event at the Point retreats. As a health and wellness platform, we are grateful to have a pure and unique wine that is free of sugar and additives, grown on small family farms, and brings a bright and soulful and vibrant glass of wine to share with the community we love cheers to our Dry Farm wine friends and family. You can learn more and order your own bottles of Dry Farm wine by clicking the link provided in the show notes below. That simple and serene moment when we glide across the lake at the point retreats on our Paddle North paddleboard is one of the most cherished moments. It's a gift when we and our guests blend into nature and lose track of time and space as we soar across the pristine whitefish chain of lakes. Thank you Paddle North for being our preferred Minnesota-based brand and company. We honor every memorable paddle that brings great clarity and balance. Click on the link provided in the show notes below to see all the incredible lake gear available with Paddle North. The point retreats and rentals is situated roughly 30 minutes outside Brainerd, Minnesota. The property's private peninsula boasts over 1500 feet of stunning shoreline spanning three lakes on the Whitefish chain of lakes. The Point Property is owned by two purpose-driven leaders who share a strong desire to lead others to optimal health and well-being. Our team believes in proactive, modern-day health, shifting our mindsets to valuing quality of life in the same capacity as we value quantity of life. We aim for every experience at The Point to enhance and deepen your whole being health by providing many opportunities for well care during your stay. Whether you need time to renew, reset, or reconnect, we have a space that can host your family, group, or team. Click on the show notes below to find out more about The Point Retreats and The Point Rentals.